the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe. Even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth. To seize dwelling places not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. Let's pray together before we come to explore that word this morning. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the depth and for the richness. We thank you that in your word we discover more about you. And we pray that as we look at this book of Habakkuk, that we might, like Habakkuk, look for answers to our questions. That you might speak just as you did to Habakkuk. And that we might hear and respond. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Well, this morning we're beginning a a new series on uh, Habakkuk, looking at uh, this uh, Old Testament book. And uh, not an awful lot is known about Habakkuk. You may or may not have uh, come across him as... uh, You've read through the Bible. Uh, This is a picture I found on the internet. Of course, we don't know what Habakkuk looked like, but in my imagination, this is what he looked like. He was uh, a bit of a moaner, a bit of a complainer, a bit of a whinger. Uh, He belongs to a group of people called uh, the Minor Prophets. And uh, they're called the Minor Prophets not because they were small people, or minor in height, because they wrote small books as opposed to uh, the major prophets uh, who wrote uh, very long prophecies. So uh, Habakkuk belongs to that uh, group of uh, minor prophets that we find at the end of the Old Testament. Uh, he's thought to be a, to be in a, a contemporary of uh, Jeremiah, who of course is one of the major prophets, and uh, he's thought to have been around between 612 and 588 BC, so uh, a long time uh, ago. And uh, Habakkuk might have been uh, a minor prophet, uh, 
but what we'll find is that he asks major questions. And uh, as we look through this book of Habakkuk, uh, we'll get to like Habakkuk because uh, what we'll find is that he asks the same questions uh, that people are still asking today. We'll find that Habakkuk, while he was uh, prophesying hundreds, thousands of years ago, uh, the questions that he raises are very relevant because people still raise them today. Eugene Patterson, uh, writing in the, uh, the message version of the Bible, in the introduction to Habakkuk, he says, Most prophets are in your face, assertive, not given to tact, not diplomatic, as they insist we pay attention to God. But Habakkuk speaks our word to God. He gives voice to our bewilderment, articulates our puzzled attempt to make sense of things. Habakkuk faces God with our disappointment with God. He insists that God pays attention to us. And insists with a prophet's characteristic, no-nonsense, bluntness. So I think we're going to like Habakkuk. Uh, Some of us will identify him because he was a bit of a complainer. And uh, I don't know if you know, but sometimes um, in church, you'll be surprised by this, but sometimes in church as a minister, I do receive complaints. I know you find that pretty hard to, uh, to imagine. Church organs replaced by guitars and drums, overheads replaced hymnals and even PowerPoint presentations and pastors not wearing a tie. Gracie Smith is not pleased one bit. It must be the end times. And you know, I receive all sorts of complaints. And, and, and the, the, the thing is, it, it just proves the, the point that you can never please people all the time because I, I receive complaints that the music is too loud. Or too long. <laughs> I've received complaints that the music is quiet, too quiet, and not long enough. Uh, you won't be surprised to, uh, to hear that I've sometimes received complaints that the sermons are a bit too long. Uh, but you may be surprised to, to hear that I've also received complaints on the odd occasion that the sermon's not long enough. So uh, we do receive complaints. But of course, these are, these are silly complaints that don't really matter. And the thing about Habakkuk... And uh, Habakkuk's complaint is that he's complaining about things that really do matter. Uh, They matter to you, they matter matter to me, but they also matter to people outside of the church. Uh, Because Habakkuk asks questions that everybody asks about God. And uh, Habakkuk's first complaint is you do not listen. Might sound a little bit familiar. Got a, lot of, uh, got a lot of hands when we asked who asked, who, who's, who said those words. But this is more serious because Habakkuk's complaining that God doesn't listen. How long, O oh Lord, must I call out for help, but you do not listen? But you do not listen. Habakkuk's complaint is that he feels that God is not listening to him. And it may be there are people here this morning that, uh, that share... That thought of Habakkuk, that they've spoken to God, they've called out to God, and it appears uh, that God is quiet, and that they haven't got a response. Habakkuk's complaint is, is not on the level of the things that we normally complain about. We complain about the weather, we complain about the kids, we complain about the noise, we complain about the neighbours. But Habakkuk's complaint is a little bit more serious. Uh, when your husband or your father or your wife doesn't listen, we, we kind of uh, accept that. Uh, but when we speak to God, we expect him to listen, to answer. And Habakkuk cries out, 
How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. And in that sentence we feel some of the anguish of Habakkuk. Uh, We don't know how long the people of God have been crying out. But the fact that he uses that phrase, how long, Lord, how long? You sense there's a, a sense of weariness there. That maybe Habakkuk and the people of God have been crying out for a long time. And there's this feeling that God is not listening. That God is not responding. Habakkuk's complaint is not only that you do not listen, but that you do not save. How long, O Lord, must I cry out, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? In other words, not only is God not listening, but Habakkuk's suggesting that God isn't doing anything. He's not only not listening and answering his prayers, but he's not doing anything about the plight of the people of God, about the plight of the situation that they find themselves in. And again, as we look around the world, we may feel that this has a a kind of familiarity to it. Because one of the great questions that people ask about the Christian faith, you know, if there's a God, why doesn't he do something about this? Why doesn't he do something about that? If there's a God who really cares and loves us, Why does he allow this to happen? Why does he allow that to happen? I'm sure you've, if not, raised those questions yourselves, have perhaps been asked them. And these are serious questions. And one of the things I want to say about Habakkuk is that Habakkuk is a man of faith. And uh, I'm encouraged that Habakkuk asks these questions. Because it reminds us that it's okay to question God. And sometimes we can forget that, that it's okay to say to God, and even to get you, you feel a little bit of anger in Habakkuk's, as well as the frustration, he gets a little bit angry with God. And there's a sense in which sometimes we need to remind ourselves and other people that it's okay to be frustrated and angry with God. God is big enough to cope with that, because God wants us to be honest with him when we come before him. He doesn't want us to pretend that everything's okay. You know when you go up to people after the service and you say, how are you? And uh, you sometimes you don't even wait for a reply because what you're expecting is, okay, thanks, how are you? It's not re- we're not really asking them how they are, are we? we just, it's kind of a, an English polite thing to do, isn't it? Uh, and the polite thing to do is not to say, well, actually, I'm awful. I've had a terrible week. Things are terrible. My life's a complete mess. <laughs> and we're kind of, hang on a second. <laughs> I was just asking you how you are. I wasn't expecting you to tell me. Uh, well, maybe this is how Habakkuk feels about God. You know, that he's pouring out his heart. Because he sees the plight of the people of God. He sees, he sees the things around him. And he's frustrated because he believes that there is a God. Uh, but he doesn't appear to be doing anything about it. You do not listen. You do not save. And these are serious questions. And one of the dangers is, is that we rush and we give nice, easy, boxed, simple answers. To difficult, complica- complicated questions. And sometimes, you know, when people ask these questions, I don't think they're looking for an answer. They're not necessarily looking for an answer. Sometimes they are just uh, expressing their frustration. They don't want us to come. And Habakkuk, what we'll see in Habakkuk is, is he goes on a journey of faith. And faith is a journey. And we've got to encourage people to enter and to go along that journey. And we don't want to cut the journey short by 
by giving them the nice easy answers that may have taken us years to come to. By saying, oh well, this is the answer. It's simple. Because it's probably taken us a lifetime to come to these realisations. How we may answer some of the difficult questions about God and about why difficult things and why people suffer and why people starve. And why it appears to the world out there that God isn't doing anything. We might want to differ about that. But sometimes it's, it's good just to let these questions hang in the air. I don't know whether you, uh, you're fans of a, of a group called the Black Eyed Peas. Probably not. They're probably, probably the fans have all gone out. But uh, uh, there's, a great, there's a great song that they sang a few years ago that was in the charts. And it's called Where Is The Love? And hopefully um, we're going to be able to play it to you. Because the, 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 the thing is that the Black Eyed Peas, uh, this kind of hip-hop up-to-date group who are, you know, top of the charts, ask the same questions that we find in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. It's amazing. Just just watch and, and listen uh, to some of the questions that they ask. Did you hear Habakkuk's voice in there, kind of rapping and jumping about? People killing, people dying, something wrong with the world. And uh, I don't know whether they have any faith, but, uh, you know, Father, help us. We need some help from above. Uh, seems that they're kind of grasping and with that same question that Habakkuk's, they're looking at the world and they're seeing all these problems, all these injustice, all this killing, all this hatred, and they're simply asking the question, you know, where is the love? Where is the love? And uh, this is what Habakkuk wants to know. He wants to know what's gone, with, what's gone wrong uh, with the world. This is Habakkuk's complaints. Uh, God's not listening. God's not doing anything. Uh, there's so much injustice. Uh, destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflicts abound. Therefore the law is paralysed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that the justice is perverted. You see Habakkuk. Habakkuk, he was obviously an Old Testament rapper. You can imagine him there, can't you? Giving it loads uh, to the people of God. And uh, maybe he was like one of those characters in, in the video, jumping and dancing about, but saying, you know, why, God? Why do you allow these things to happen? Well, what he's doing is what many of us do. He's struggling with God. He's struggling with God, and it's something that we all do from time to time. Things happen in our own lives, and we think, you know, why does God allow me to go through this particular thing? Why does God allow this to happen? And uh, that's what we're called to do. To struggle and grapple with God. And of course Habakkuk's not the first person to do it. We find lots of people do it. And even, even Jesus, God's very own son in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, struggles with God. You know, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Uh, he's wanting to join in with that human struggle to understand what, what it is that God is doing in our world. And so... Habakkuk is struggling with God and that's what we're called to do, to struggle with God. Uh, to search, to seek uh, some help from above, as the black-eyed peas would say. Um, and then, of course, one of the problems is, is, is very often we're not looking at books like Habakkuk. Uh, very often we're looking at verses like this. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And uh, there's loads of uh, encouraging verses that make it appear that all we've got to do is ask of God and he will provide or give us the answer that we require. 
And that's why it's good sometimes to look at at books like Habakkuk, because Habakkuk belongs to uh, a tradition in the Bible um, of complainers. And uh, there's a technical term that's sometimes used of of people like that, people like Habakkuk, of people like Jeremiah, of uh, people like Job, and many of the Psalms, and they're called laments. And throughout the Bible you find people uh, that are really having a bit of a whinge about what's going on. Uh, Sometimes I think, wouldn't it be good if we, you know, in a time of prayer, that we said, you know, let's have a time of complaint where we offer our complaints to God. And of course it would be a brave person who actually stood up and and gave their first complaint. But Habakkuk reminds us of 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 a biblical truth that we should be concerned about what's going on in our world. We should be concerned about the injustice, the struggling, the poverty, the starvation. We should be concerned about these things. And Habakkuk reminds us that we should be voicing our concerns to God. And maybe we should be joining with God and saying, look God, I don't feel like you're listening to us. We pray for these people and uh, nothing seems to happen. Uh, We pray that you will act and uh, nothing seems to change. And this is where Habakkuk's coming from. Uh, Maybe... Um, If we were to look at the way that Eugene Patterson uh, writes that same verse, he says, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. And there he gives a, a a slightly different emphasis, which I think is quite helpful, because what he's saying is that God does hear, and God does listen, and our prayers will be acted on. But there's a kind of sense there that maybe not in the time scale that we want things to happen, because we live in this instant world where we expect... You know, an instant answer to our questions. So Habakkuk's complaint is that you do not listen. You do not say that there's injustice in this world. And uh, he gives, he, he pours out his heart to God. Uh, you don't listen. You do not save. And there's a kind of build up in the first five verses. And then in verse five we get God's answer. But it's not what we're expecting. It's not what we're expecting. D.A. Carson, if you've ever struggled with uh, with uh, suffering and evil in the world, I, I would point you to this book because it's a great book. And uh, one of the things that he says, um, and he takes his title from, of course, Habakkuk, How Long, O Lord. And one of the things that he says He suggests that one of the major causes of devastating grief and confusion amongst Christians is that our expectations are false. We do not give the subject of evil and suffering the the thought it deserves until we ourselves are confronted with tragedy. If by that point our beliefs are not well thought out, then the pain of the tragedy may multiply many times over and we might begin to very question the very foundations of our faith. And he goes on to say this, he says, Despite the best efforts of the performance of the health and wealth gospel, the fact is that Christians get old and wrinkled. They contact cancer and heart disease, become deaf and blind, and eventually die. In many parts of the world, Christians have to face the blight of famine, the scourge of war. This is not to say that God does not sometimes intervene in remarkable ways. It is to say that we too live in a fallen world and cannot escape participation in its evil and suffering. How long, O Lord? Habakkuk's complaint. Well, God's answer. It might have been a long time coming. Uh, in verses 5 to 11, we hear God's answer. And it's not what Habakkuk wanted to hear. It isn't what Habakkuk wanted to hear. 
Uh, Habakkuk's been asking about all these injustices and problems in the world. And uh, God replies by saying, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe, even if I told you. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetus people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. They are feared and dreaded and they are law to themselves and promote their own honour. I don't know about you, but if I was Habakkuk, I would think, what? I'm asking about all this injustice and you're saying you're going to raise all those horrible Babylonians? It doesn't kind of... uh, do a lot for the picture of this loving and compassionate and gracious God. But this is the problem. It's a problem that Habakkuk faced. And it's a problem that we still face today, isn't it? That we can cry out in pain for those that are suffering amongst us and around the world. And if we're honest, we don't always like to admit this. But it does appear sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, that... Uh, Our prayers are not being answered. Have you ever prayed for somebody uh, to get well? And they've not got well, they've got worse. It happens. And it's difficult when these things happen because we kind of think, what's going on? What is God doing? Does God know what he's doing? And Habakkuk, I think, is helpful in the fact that he raises the same questions that you and I have, but also that people have out there in the world. And there aren't easy answers to these questions. And in the last few minutes, I'm not just going to give you a nice packaged, neat answer and say, well, here we are, this is the answer, you can go home now and uh, and not worry about all these things. Because that would be trivial and silly, but also it wouldn't be being faithful to God's word. Because in God's word, people like Habakkuk struggle and anguish about these matters, things that really matter to people. But what we can do, is we can allow these questions to hang in the air. When people come to us with difficult questions, we can journey with them. We cannot come up with the idea that we've got all the answers and all you need to do is uh, listen to what we have to say because we know it all. Because the reality is we don't know it all. Habakkuk the prophet didn't know it all and Richard the minister doesn't know it all and, and you the, the Christian, you don't know all the answers because, because these questions are so big and so... Uh, in many ways unanswerable because there is suffering in this world there is evil in this world and uh, we don't like it we're aware of it sometimes it affects us personally and then it becomes even more tragic but a lot of the time we're just aware of it somewhere over there or somewhere over over there and it's at a distance and that's easier for us to handle because it doesn't personally affect us So sometimes we have to be honest and say, we haven't got all the answers. But we'd like to journey with you because we think these are good questions. We think these are good questions. And we think we should direct these questions to God. And then we need to be seeking help from above. Borrowed that from the Black Eyed Peas. But uh, the sentiment is there, isn't it? That we actually need help from above. That we haven't got the answers. And you know, sometimes Christians find it very difficult to actually admit that we haven't got the answer. You know, somebody says, well, explain to me the problem of suffering and evening, e- evil in the world. And it's a brave Christian that says, well, actually, <laughs> I'm not sure that I can answer this question. I'll have a go. 
I'll tell you where I've got to in my particular walk with God and my understanding, but I'm not sure that I've got all the answers. And when we say that, we're actually showing a sign of humility. We're actually humbling ourselves and recognising that God is a lot bigger than us. Because sometimes we present God in a much too small a way. If we present a God that you can all easily understand, um, what sort of God is that? If he's only uh, within our understanding. God is not within our understanding, he's much bigger than that. And there are lots of questions, and I'm sure you've got questions that you, you know, you think, well, when I get to meet with God, I've got a question that I'm going to put to him, and he better have a good answer. And there's a kind of a, a pride there, in that we come to God in a way that he's answerable to us. When, of course, the, uh, the truth is the reverse, that actually we are God's people, his creation, and we are answerable to him. Do you remember in the in the book of Job? Job's a great book to uh, to look into into the problem of suffering and evil. But do you remember when God finally speaks to Job? Um, again, like Habakkuk, Job doesn't get the answer that he wants, and there's something in that, isn't there? That we think we know how God should answer our questions, and God's not like that. And he says to Job, "You've questioned me. Now I'm going to question you. You sit and listen to me. Who do you think you are?" Basically, he says to Job. And he just reminds him that he is God and we are man. And God's not being nasty or unkind when he does that, but he's just reminding us of our place in things. That God is a lot bigger than us. And our, our, our purpose in life is, is to try and struggle and grapple with these issues and get to the place where God is. And of course, uh, we have one advantage over Habakkuk in that we have Jesus. And uh, Jesus' death on the cross uh, does shed some light on the problem of of evil and suffering. We're not just simply saying Jesus is the answer, but we're recognising that when God came into the world and entered the world and, and became a man, he also entered into our sufferings. And he died our death. And he took upon himself. Uh, the wrong things that we do. And we don't just simply point and say, well, Jesus is the answer to any question that you've got. But we do point and say, well, actually, Jesus offers us hope. Jesus didn't only suffer and die, but he rose again. And therefore, Jesus might be able to help us. And Jesus entered into our our suffering, and as we said, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he experienced that abandonment of God that Habakkuk was talking about. When he wept and and thought of what was ahead of him, and of course, in a few moments, we're going to meet around the table. And so, Habakkuk's complaints. It's about the major questions that all of us struggle with about suffering and evil in this world and and why God allows the things that he allows to happen. And we have to grapple with these questions. And there's a sense in which this sermon finishes at a place where we say it is to be continued because faith is a journey. And we continue on. And uh, I invite you to come back in two weeks' time when we'll be looking at Habakkuk's second complaint. And then in in a few weeks' time after that, we'll be looking at Habakkuk's prayer, because Habakkuk goes on this journey of faith. And I just invite you to come on this journey of faith with Habakkuk, and with me, and with other people. 
as we struggle and grapple with issues that sometimes blow our mind because they're so big. But we believe that there are helps and that our help comes from above. That God wants to help us. So let's pause. And let's prepare to come to God. And we come to God as we are. With our questions. With our believing but also you know, with our doubts and our worries and our concerns. And that's how we can come to God. And Habakkuk shows us a way. He says it's okay to come into God's presence. With questions. With anger even. With frustrations. And so we can meet around the table.